0: So we're in our series studying through the book of Ephesians. It's called Spiritual Affluence, The Abundance of Opportunities of Our Spiritual Lives. Now, if you remember, the first three chapters of the book are about doctrine, what we believe, and the last three chapters are about application how we behave so we're in Ephesians 6 the final chapter we have this week and then we have next week and we'll finish up the book of Ephesians and basically in this chapter we're going to continue on with the Christian household and how the Christian household should function and then we're going to go and we're going to move into the Christian in the workplace and basically we're going to learn how to behave in order to be a light for the gospel message. Now today we're going to deal with children, we're gonna deal with fathers, and we're gonna deal with employees and employers and how each one of those groups should behave and how it can be a gospel light for their either household or in the workplace. So Ephesians 6, one through nine teaches us these things. So we're gonna start off with children. The scripture says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land." So what's happening here is this, this is great for parents because Paul is actually not a parent and he's talking to the children in the church, the kids in the church. He's a pastor talking to them and talking to them and and basically teaching them how they should behave with their parents. So let me just tell you, if you're a child, if you're a kid, 18 or under living at home, listen up because Pastor Mike, wants to teach you something about how you should act in your household, and your parents will appreciate this. And guess what? This is going to benefit you. So first, the Apostle Paul says this, children obey your parents in the Lord. This is speaking to believers. This is speaking to believing children. And basically, the believer is the believer in the gospel message. Believers are people who believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, that rose three days later to prove that he is God. And the scriptures tell us this, all who believe that will have eternal life. So Paul is talking to believing children and saying they should obey their godly parents and what their godly parents teach them because they're teaching them things that are going to help them with their walk with the Lord. Now, obviously, if parents are trying to get their children to do something that is sinful, the child should not follow the bad example of a parent. They should not obey a parent in sinful things because notice what the passage says. It says children obey your parents in the Lord. Now, kids always seem to ask things like this. Well, why should I obey? Why should I obey my parents? And Paul tells them this simple truth. He says, for this is right for this is right the right thing for a child to do is actually look at what their parents teach them and obey what their parents teach them because their parents want good for them and they want them to follow after the lord so in today's cultural culture some will ask this though well what makes that right like why is this right now the answer to that is god sets the standards of what is right and wrong. And he gave you, your parents, and they should be teaching you what is right and what is wrong based upon what the Lord teaches. So the parenting handbook for the Christian parent is the Bible. The parenting handbook for the Christian parent is actually the Bible. So that means parents need to learn what is right from the scriptures and pass it on to their children. Next, the passage says this, honor your father and mother. Now, honor is simply this, it is high respect. So children obeying their parents is actually a display of respect for their parents. But here's what happens, an issue that comes up, and this is mainly in regards to older children and adult children, is this. Well, what if my parent is not a believer and what, what should I do? How do I honor my unbelieving parent? Well, let me just tell you this. Just because your parents are not believers does not mean you should not respect them. Obviously, if they are giving you ungodly, sinful or bad advice, you're not going to follow after that. But much of the time they will give you advice based upon their worldview. They're going to give you advice based upon what they think is right. Their intentions are probably good, but not necessarily always godly. Okay, you get that? Your parents' intentions are probably good, but not necessarily always the godly things. So honor them. But that does not mean that you have to follow every single advice they give you. For example... When I was looking to go to college, I was 19 years old. I I completed one year at our local community school, Ocean County College, and I was looking to go into ministry. My mom was very concerned at that time that I would not make enough money in ministry to raise a family and have what she thought was a good life. So she shared that with me. I respected her opinion, but I had to follow what the calling of the Lord was on my life. I had to pursue ministry because I felt that this is what God was calling me into doing. I didn't argue with her. I didn't criticize her. It was a conversation that we had. And she eventually came around to realize and agree with my choice and my call to go into the ministry. See, if I didn't honor her, if I didn't respect her, it wouldn't have been a conversation. It probably would have been an argument. and Maybe I would have fallen into criticizing or even mocking and saying, you don't know what you're talking about. But in the stance of respecting and honor, it was a conversation of me explaining to her how I felt the Lord desired me to go into ministry. And regardless of what the outcome was, as far as money to raise a family, God would take care of all those things. Now, at the end of the verse, at the end of verse two and in verse three, it says this This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, this is the first of the ten commandments that had a promise attached to it. Okay? This is the first of the ten commandments that had a promise attached to it. The promise is actually twofold. First, it was for all. And second, It was for the Israelites that entered into the promised land. The promise that I want to focus in on is the promise for us all. And that is this, that it may go well with you. See, most of you children out there have to realize and understand there is peace in the household when you obey your parents. Do you you understand that? There's going to be peace in the household when you actually obey your parents. Well, why you ask? Well, because you're doing what is right in the sight of the Lord and your parents will appreciate it. And the truth is, when you have godly parents and you obey them, it goes well with you. And when you don't, guess what? It doesn't go well. And most of you probably have examples in your life when you did the wrong thing, you did not obey your parents, and it just did not go well. Your parents were upset. They wound up punishing you or something wound up happening where there was not peace in the household. It did not go well. So what the Apostle Paul is reminding him is say, hey, listen, this is the first commandment with a promise. The promise is this, that it may go well with you. I'm telling you this because if you fall into line with what your parents have asked you to do because the Lord has taught them to teach you these things, guess what? Everybody is going to be happy because the Lord is going to be glorified. So children, in many senses, it really is your choice. Okay? Do, do you want things to go well? Do you want things to go well? And guess what? It is your choice. And all the parents said what? Amen. Okay, amen, because I want things to go well for my child and I'm going to teach them the things that the Lord has taught me that will help it go well for them. So now let's move on. Let's move on. We're going to move on to fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, apparently, mothers got off the hook in this passage. The, the Apostle Paul focuses in on fathers. Now, the concept here is that fathers can oftentimes be unfair and inconsistent with their children, and that actually provokes them to anger. So he says, do not provoke your children to anger. The opposite of provoking is actually encouraging. Now, one of the best things that a father can do for their child is to encourage them. All you dads out there, I want you to hear this loud and clear. Encouraging your child, no matter what age they're at, is so very important. Encourage them with the the, promises of the Lord. Teach them what the Lord has taught us his promises are. Encourage them by reminding them the things that they're good at. Encourage them when they're discouraged and encourage them in their spiritual lives. Dads need to step in and rather than pointing out all the things that their child is not doing, actually point out the things that they are doing. Point out the things that they are doing and encourage them in the Lord. Now, Paul says, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, fathers need to step up. Just like last week, I talked about how husbands need to step up. Well, fathers need to step up and fathers need to discipline their children. Now, when some hear that, they just think of harsh discipline in the form of punishment. But that's not what this is teaching us. This is teaching us that fathers shouldn't shrink back and they shouldn't turn a blind eye to the fact that every every child will at times need correction because they choose to go the wrong way sometimes so children you remember when you were a kid right sometimes you chose to do the wrong thing when a parent when a father disciplines it's actually a loving thing to do rather than saying oh what am i going to do about it or that's what kids do how am i ever going to stop them from doing this or or going the wrong way a father A parent needs to step up and actually do something so that their child goes the right way. Because if you really believe that going the wrong way is not going to be helpful, why wouldn't you stop them or try to stand in the way of them going the wrong way? Listen to what Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says. It's talking to a child. It says, my son... Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Do you know this sentiment is also repeated in the book of Hebrews, the New Testament book of Hebrews. See, a loving father disciplines their children. A loving father actually stands in the way when their child is going the wrong way. A loving father comes in and says, you know what? No, you can't go this way. And the reason why is because I love you, just like the Lord loves us. And when we're going the wrong way, we don't get the outcomes that we desire because the Lord's saying, why would I bless you in that if you're doing the exact thing I've asked you not to do? So a loving father disciplines their children, but also brings their children up in the instruction of the Lord. A loving father brings their children up in the instruction of the Lord. This means that the father needs to know the instruction of the Lord for himself in order to pass it down to his children. See, dads out there, like I talked about husbands, like like I talked to husbands last week, you dads out there, this is not something that you just leave up to the mom and say, okay, she'll teach him spiritual things or leave up to Sunday school. I bring them to church. They teach them spiritual things. See, dads need to bring their children up in the instruction of the Lord. So to all you believing dads out there, do you have questions about the Lord and spiritual things that you need answered yourself? You know, sometimes you won't answer, you won't get those answers. You won't look for those answers. So you struggle with those things. So therefore, you can't teach your child because you don't even have these things settled in your own life. The only way that you're going to be able to answer those things and settle those things for your children is if you have them settled for yourself. You know, there's a big call on the dads to actually teach their children about the Lord and have these things settled. So here's what you need to do. You need to start studying. Start finding those answers because now you have an amazing opportunity to help and instruct your children. What an amazing opportunity. God blessed you with these little lives or maybe bigger lives now that you can actually instruct and teach them. You can help them in the ways of the Lord. But if you don't have these things settle in your own life, you're not going to do them much good. Don't just sit back and say, oh, my wife's going to take care of that, or oh, the church will take care of that, or oh, hopefully they figure it out themselves. Be the spiritual leader that God has called you to be for your children, for your family. What an amazing opportunity you and I have to do that for our families. So now we move out of the household and we move into the workplace. We have directives for employees. Now this passage says this. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God, from the heart, rendering service with good with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or free. Now, the first thing I have to say about this passage is some will try to use this passage to say that the Bible promotes or agrees with slavery. But that misses the entire point of what Paul is teaching the Christian as they live in their community. Because at the time Paul wrote this, there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. It was a way of life. Now, slavery was based more upon economics. It was a matter of social status in some senses. Here's what happened. People actually sold themselves as slaves, when they could not pay their debts or provide for their families. So in New Testament times, sometimes doctors, sometimes lawyers, even politicians were slaves of someone else. Some people actually chose to be slaves as to have all their needs provided for them by their masters. Now this was not like the slavery based upon race when the Jewish people were enslaved in Egypt or the way slavery was in the early days of our country. So Paul was speaking to these slaves slash, I'm gonna say employees and most theologians would agree so that they would be a light for the gospel in their situation. So today, we apply this passage to the employee and the employer relationship. The bond servants and masters are pretty much the employee and the employer. So most everyone here has been an employee, right? Most of you at home too, you've been an employee. In fact, some of the best lessons that you learn in life were at work, maybe at the early days of your work. This is one of the reasons all of our children in our household started working as soon as they were old enough. You know, I've heard some parents say things like this, I'd rather my children not work because they have all their lives to work. And you know what? Obviously, this is their decision as a parent, but my wife and I believe that we learned valuable lessons from all the part-time jobs that we had as teenagers and young adults. And we wanted our children to learn those lessons as well. Some of the lessons I learned personally were the value of a dollar. When you go out and you work hard and then you start to spend your money, you realize, wow, you know what? That's X amount of hours to buy that or to eat there or to do that. I learned what I didn't want to do for the rest of my life. I learned some of the things that I was good at. I I learned what type of career I wanted to pursue. I learned how to interact with coworkers. And really that's what this passage starts to teach us about is how to interact with somebody who's in charge of you that's not your parent, your employer. So as employees, you essentially are selling your time, right? You go to work every day, you are selling your time. You are saying, I agree with this amount of money that I get paid per hour or per day. So while you're selling that time as an employee, how should you act and how should you interact so that you can be a light for the gospel in your workplace? So let's look at these these verses over again. I have underlined. The things that Paul points out. So he says, bond servants or employees, obey. Obey. Obey is basically this: do your job. Okay? You got hired, you're at work, you were told to do your job. Obey it. Just do your job. No questions asked. Do your job. Says this. Oh, excuse me. Says this. With fear and trembling. What does that mean? Well, it's it's kind of the respect issue, isn't it? Respect the fact that you work for this corporation or this company, this employer. Respect that. Do what's right. Realize, you know what? Like, they hired me and they're trusting me with these things. So I'm going to respect the fact that they trusted me with this and I'm going to do what's right. Then he says this, with a sincere heart. Take pride in what your work is. Take pride in what you do, no matter what it is. Even if it's a menial task that you don't think matters that much, do it with a sincere heart. Take pride in the fact that you have that job and can actually work in that job. Some of you each day will go to work and you feel like, oh, you know what? This is not fulfilling or does it really even matter? But let me just tell you this, it does if you do it with a sincere heart. But then he says this, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. So what he's saying is this, don't be that worker that only does a good job when the manager or the boss comes around. Don't be that kiss up type person that when the boss walks in like, oh, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm, I'm, I'm such a good worker. No, you do it. You obey respectfully. You do it with a sincere heart. You don't do it. So other people see you doing that or only when other people see you doing that. But then he goes on to say this. But as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So he says, doing God's will. Okay. So what is God's will for you at work? And People ask this question all the time. What is God's will for me? Well, What is God's will for you at work? I'll tell you what God's will is for you at work. It's do the right thing. Work hard. Make right decisions based upon whatever your job is. Then he goes on to say this. As to the Lord and not to man as to the Lord and not to man I'm sure many of you at times think this I work so hard and I don't make enough money I work so hard and I'm not appreciated I'm asking you as a Christian this is what Paul is asking as well look at it this way you are working for the Lord and your good work for the Lord will not Go unnoticed by the Lord. Your work ethic for the Lord will not go unnoticed. Look at what it says in verse 8. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a bondservant or is free. So basically what he's saying is, listen, you work for the Lord. Work for the Lord. Colossians says this too. Work for the Lord. Do your best for the Lord. The Lord notices. Your boss might stink. Your boss might not be a good boss. Your manager might not be a good manager. I don't care, okay? And guess what? Paul's saying he doesn't care either. You do what's right. He's going to deal with them. The Lord is going to deal with them. The Lord is going to deal with you based upon how you work. So then finally, it brings us to the employers. He says, masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. So here's what Paul is saying. He's, now he's talking to the employers, the masters in this case, but the employers in our case. If you are, are an employer, you follow the same standards that Paul just gave to the employees, but also... Don't be the boss that threatens your employees. Don't be that boss that lords it over, that thinks you're better because you own the company, that thinks you're better because you worked your way up the corporate ladder. Bosses that do that oftentimes that forget this. Yeah, you might be the boss and you might be in charge. You might be at the top of the heap here on this earth. But guess what? You still have a master and that master is the same master that your employee has. And it's God himself. You will answer to God himself based upon the way that you actually treated your employees. This is so unbelievably important because you know what? In many senses, the employer has a bigger responsibility because not only does he have to work or she have to work like the employee works, But now you're responsible to care for those employees as well, to make sure that they're successful, to make sure that things go well for them, to make sure that they follow. Do you see when you rise up somewhere in leadership, in a corporation or at your business or whatever, in management, guess what? Now you have more responsibility and there's more accountability on your life because of that. So if you want to be a light in the workplace for the employees, obviously doing all those things we discussed will be a light to everyone else, the other employees and the employer. But as an employer, you can be a light in the workplace by the way that you treat those that work under you or those that work for you. So children, fathers, employees, employers. We can all be a light for the gospel by living out our role in the workplace, in the home, and in every area of the community that we're in. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. I'm thankful, Lord, for the children, for the fathers, for the parents, for the employees, for the employers, for all, all here that have their little circle, their little corner in their community of ways that they can live out the gospel message. Be a light to the community around them. Be a light to the people that they interact with day in and day out. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful, Lord, that we can meet together, whether it's in person or virtually, that we can, that we can learn from your word. I just pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.